Sci-Fi Sisters are now sponsored by Aria Comics, located at 313 Halstead Avenue, Harrison, New York. Aria Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Positive and upbeat, they invite you to come in and experience their selection and atmosphere. Looking for something new and different to read? Their staff is always willing to help you find a book that will put a spring in your step and get you hooked on something new. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. With awesome events like creator signings and Facebook Live sales, where you can find everything from mainstream comics to collectibles to hard-to-find editions, make All Yeah Comics your comics destination. Their customers are the most important part of the business, and they want to hear from you as well. So give them a call at 914-732-3600. That's 914-732-3600. Ah, yeah, comics. Let's be awesome together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, where we give you our point of view. I'm Tamia Harper, and I'm joined by my sisters, Fran T. What's happening? Yvette Blackman Tom. Hello. <laughs> and Sabrina Wood. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, indeed, because we have a special guest today who um, really, like, we're all just sitting here really tickled and smiling really big because he's one of our good friends and we love him so dearly. Uh, and so you know him from, maybe you know him from The Seventh Rule. He's a producer on that. And Perhaps you know about his book, Live Long and Evolve, what Star Trek can teach us about evolution, genetics, and life on other worlds. You might have seen him on um, the circuit uh, at the conventions uh, doing um, different talks and panels, and you might have seen him on uh, his YouTube show, The Biotrekkie Explains. And if you're down in North Carolina and you're at Duke University, you might be one of his students because he's the Dean of Natural Sciences and a professor in the biology department. And he's so dope, but his biggest credit, biggest one to date, is he's now officially a part of the Star Trek universe family as a science consultant in the Star Trek franchise. And we're so proud of him and we love him dearly. Everybody, please welcome Dr. Muhammad Noor. Yay! That was the kindest intro ever. Thank you so much. I'll tell you, I'm the one who's re- who feels really honored to be here with you guys. I love your show. I love you guys as people. I'm so excited to be here. I've been watching the show or listening to the show since the very beginning. And every time, I mean, I'll, I'll even be playing it back and showing my wife, hey, listen to this. This is really great. I love you guys. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate that, Mohammed, because we, we know you always say such nice things, so, you know, in the chat back at um you know the seventh rule you always comment on the show <laughs> shout us out you've talked about us in las vegas during your own presentation and absolutely right. floored us right <laughs> i didn't even know we were in the audience <laughs> I no like, i didn't know you guys were there no, i was like, like oh there you guys are <laughs> like, well, you know we were here <laughs> so we appreciate that so much and we couldn't wait to get you on the show because we want to talk science love it (laughs) science we're gonna bring it down like you know because sometimes i get a little lost i have to like go back a few pages and read it again but okay i got you i'm right with you (laughs) 
I mean, we could we could ease you into a conversation or we could just jump right into the main topic. <laughs> to the question that's burning behind everybody's brain. Oh. Sabrina, you know which question I'm going to go with? I'm saving it. We're saving it. 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 Is it whether Andorians can be black when you're interviewing? Yes. And if they are, where are they? Yeah. We haven't seen them. I keep telling you. They're wearing it. We know they have, you know, ghostly looking ones. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Yes. Yes, the 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 black. I mean, excuse me, the the uh, sight impaired ones. Yeah, yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. The answer to that question is absolutely there could be black indoors. There's absolutely no reason why there couldn't be. There's no reason why not. <laughs> and there you yes. have it. There yeah. it is. There, there it is. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the real question. Go ahead. How come they haven't showed them yet? Oh, that's not. How come they haven't Ooh. been on the screen yet? That's all right. I know what I'm cosplaying next time. <laughs> a black Andorra. Oh, baby, here God, we boy, go. I know. Yeah. I think. I, <laughs> don't that's, 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 that's a little, little gaggle of black Andorian cosplayers. Yeah. How many? How many oh, that would be seen? nice, wouldn't it? How many Andorians have you seen? Yeah, of course, there's Shran, and then there was like a couple around Shran, and then there's more recently there's there was um, Noah's character. Uh, I can't remember. Rin. 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 Yeah, thank you, Rin. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple around that. I don't. I mean, I think in total, maybe we've seen like ten. Or so. I don't think we've seen yeah, like but, tons of Andorians. Well, Noah too. said. Noah said that there are black Andorians. He said, "Oh, good. He's right." <laughs> Expletive deleted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to keep this as a you know uh, uh, not explicit show for all of Muhammad's followers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, blue like Duke. Yeah, that's right. It is a good Duke. Well, I guess some of them are kind of almost the UNC colors. We don't talk about those animals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> light blue ones mm. okay Sabrina I totally, ha- I totally hijacked your show Sabrina go for it <laughs> oh no I, that was the question it's on, it's on my notes like black there's another, it's right here there's another what about your other question Fran I'm surprised you didn't bring up um, the uh, Orions Orions yeah the oh, green what ones them? what yeah. about them I think they're just green all over the globe you think they're black too there's some black Orions. You're asking me, you're asking Fran. <laughs> I think I'm asking Fran. Oh, oh do I think there are any? No. You, this up. you don't think there are? No. Uh, no, I don't. I think that I think that the Andor- I mean that the Orions are just pretty green. You just know, I don't it's, it's I true don't the, think the... there are any. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, please, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. I I just think they're green. Just like I think the Andorans are blue and white. Yeah. So I mean, there's, we've seen more variation in color among the uh, among the Andorians than among the Orions. So in yes. that regard, it's probably more likely that we'd see more uh, see it in the in the Andorians than in the Orions. Okay. But I mean, it doesn't rule it out. I mean, there easily could be. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, maybe it could be that cool of Orion that they haven't explored yet. We saw the black the black tolerate last night. That's right. Did we? Okay, no spoilers. And that's another thing I'm going to tell you guys. No spoilers. Come on now. Keep it. Keep it clean. No spoilers. All right. Go to your corners. Fine. Whatever, Sabrina. (laughs) Yvette is mad. Yvette is mad. All right. Okay. If Paramount Plus is listening, and we know you are, (laughs) we need to put the black and 
the Black uh, Andorians and Orions on the screen so that they go. can become canon. Totally, totally. I agree. There we go. And I... done. all right sabrina please wrangle us in (laughs) well i we've got a little bit about your background dr Nora, and i did want to ask about um duke and how you use the book because uh, well first of all i was introduced to you at the seventh rule that's how i met you and that's how we met yeah right in the chat pack yay chat packers hey chat pack so now how did you get involved with the chat pack great question so i actually been listening to the seventh rule since literally the very first episode i actually i even i went back through my uh text messages and i had sent a note to aaron who i'd met aaron before from his previous podcast the one with garrett wong um he was oh, called wow. alpha okay. quadrant mm-hmm. we did we actually did a podcast together with garrett and and uh aaron and me and and um this other guy, Dick, I forget what his last name is, but we've done one podcast together. So we knew each other already from that. And, you know, also from conventions and things like that. So when Aaron spun off the seventh rule, I was watching from the very beginning. I was like, Oh, this is great. I don't know. I love Sir Lofton. It'd be, it'd be great to see it. Um, Aaron had said he'd like to get me on the show at some point in time, just to come as a guest. Unfortunately that, that never happened uh, prior to him passing away, which is, which was, mm. I mean, his, his, my not getting on is not the important part. It was just very unfortunate the timing of his passing away and such there. But um, after that, when they were doing the memorials for Aaron, Ryan Sirach reached out because they, you know, they'd had my contacts information because you know it had been shared already at that time. They said, "Why don't we have a quick chat and reminisce about uh, Aaron?" So I, I came on the show to do that, and this wasn't the regular central one. This is that whole stretch they had with reminiscences, and we just had the best time. Oh my gosh, that chat was just so much fun. And before I've been I've been listening, but like not not regularly and not necessarily even live. I just I just catch it later. So I'm like I didn't even I don't think I even was aware about the live chat aspect. But it was after that then they invited me to come on another regular show. After that, that's when I started watching the live chats. It's like wow, this is really cool. So basically, just <laughs> gradually started building up from there when I got a little bit more active and in. I was like I want to watch this every week. Actually, <laughs> so, I'm wearing chat pack t-shirt oh yes in your honor. <laughs> oh, that's great we almost we almost wore the same thing sabrina <laughs> oh, nice, nice. i love seeing you all in there too <laughs> it it's is so much fun it, it, it still blows my mind just how positive a community that is like i can't think of another online community that involves people just like hiding behind the keyboard where you never see their faces or anything like that and chatting and and that goes on for years and like I remember maybe maybe once or twice a troll came on. I mean, it's almost right. never. It's almost right. always incredibly positive, and it's not it's not a very homogenous community in any dimension, too. I mean, no, there's no. people who I know are are hardcore, you know, politically left versus politically right, or you know, any dimension there, like you know, old, young, you name it. There's so much variation there, and yet everybody gets along so well because of our shared love of Star Trek and just positivity about it. It's it's really a model for like this is what humanity should be like. Exactly. <laughs> I feel that way every time I'm in the pack, you know, every time I'm in that pack with everybody. I mean, that's why when we first met everybody through the first um virtual trek con, when we did the first virtual trek con, which was so cool and so much fun. And it was like, oh my God, who knew that it, that these people they were so accepting and so loving. 
and just welcomed us right away. And Anne Marie Siegel, you know, I got to give a shout out to Anne Marie Siegel because she just loved us from 21 Jump Street, you know. And, you know, and so it, it was a really great community. And I, I just love them dearly. I really do. Yep. Yep. 100% agree. <laughs> so Rock was so cool to come on our show. And, and Ryan gave us the big premiere of our podcast send off like had it he had us come on their show i mean the, just the nicest just doing everything to make it possible for us to do what we do and i just really shout out to seventh rule i just had to find out how you got there so that explains everything for me so now i'm gonna go to the next question i have and that's how did the book come about because oh. i love the book Aww. love the book thank you um, the book has a funny story. So I, I started speaking at conventions and this that was, that has its own long story. I, I won't go into that, but I started speaking at conventions and just giving these talks about, and the point of the, the talks at conventions were like to teach evolution or genetics or some other sort of science concepts using Star Trek as an entry point. And mm. I really had a lot of fun doing that. I also occasionally would do like a local science cafe kind of thing here in Durham or other places and just talk about just the science about that without any of the Star Trek connections. Um, Princeton University Press, which is who publishes the book, reached out to me and said, we'd like you to write a book and give a public talk. Uh, um, you can pick the topic, but, you know, and they asked me, what kind of public talks do you give? And I said, well, there's two public talks I usually give the most often. One is just basically an evidence for evolution talk. But my former PhD advisor, Jerry Coyne, wrote a book called Why Evolution is True. I, I could not improve on that <laughs> book. I mean, there's no way. Like, and, and it's fairly, you know, it's not that long ago. I couldn't really do anything with that. The other talk I tend to give is on speciation, the process of making new species. He also wrote a book on that. So, <laughs> so she said, well, there are any other public talks you give? I'm like, well, there is something. <laughs> it's a little out there for an academic university press. <laughs> but I had her watch a video recording of one of my, um, one of my talks, I think from, that I was prepping for DragonCon. And she watched it and she thought, this could be good. I could, I could like that. So basically then what I did is I adapted my introductory course that I teach at Duke. It's just called Introduction to Genetics and Evolution. I essentially just adapted that class. So that's chapters two through five in the book. Same coverage and just said, I'm going to just pull out Star Trek examples for each one. Some of, it were, some of it came directly from those outreach talks I was giving. Some of it were just new things I had to then come up with. But the hardest part, though, was going through the franchise. Because I know the science fine. I was going through the franchise to make sure I didn't miss something. So I had to rewatch or go through the script of every episode. And this is, you know, like wow. 800 episodes. Wow. <laughs> it took oh, a year. Detail <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I had a spreadsheet too, where every row was an episode of Star Trek and then the columns were the book chapters. And after I'd go through either a script or watch an episode, I'd enter stuff in like, oh, this one mentioned prion diseases. Oh, this one mentioned blah. And just enter this. That way then I could pull out that column when I was writing the chapter and be like, okay, here's all the episodes that mentioned anything about this topic. <laughs> so that's how you came up with that cool graph you have in one of your presentations where you actually said from like 1969, this is how many mentions of genetics Right. And then you go through. So part of it was from that, but part of it also, I mean, I, I'm a computer geek, right? So, so I actually wrote a little Perl script to actually go through all the all the episodes and oh find every, every mention of it and pull those out. So it was a combination I, of those two things. Okay, okay. Because I was like, how did he come up with this graph? Because this is wild. But it was interesting because the graph shows, you know, back in 69, there were just a few mentions of genetics and then it, it kind of goes up and then it just zooms up when we get to Voyager. Yeah. And you're telling us in this presentation that you gave 
about how it was with the discovery of the genome and the science that was going on outside of Star Trek. And as that science was developing, so were the references. And then now you just took us all the way to discovery and you said that was advanced genetics. And we get the discovery. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully said. Boy, you should give my talk. You're better than I am. I I listen, man. I listen to this mess. I love it. That was beautifully said. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, the sequencing of the genome, that's when when really you saw that big jump up with uh, with Voyager and Enterprise even more. Yeah, yeah. And then Discovery, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. It was was really crazy. It was just like zoom, like a, you know, celebration graph, like. There's a funny case with with Discovery, too, in season one, where they talk about, when they're talking about the tardigrade, and they make this reference to the tardigrade getting its genes by horizontal gene transfer, which is a really complex concept. But what's funny about that one, too, and you probably heard, you may have heard me say this in talks before, too, um, that was based on a study published in 2015, which said that the tardigrade's genome had something like 15 or 16% of its genes that had been acquired by horizontal gene transfer, but that actually ended up being wrong. Wow. <laughs> being an error. I'm now, glad they, I they missed actually, it. <laughs> essentially, they didn't quite retract, but other people essentially showed that study wrong the next year. But I think that that essentially the disproving of it didn't get as much publicity as the original study. So when Discovery then came out in 2017. <laughs> Disinformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite. But, but it was a heroic effort. I mean, kudos to them for trying to incorporate yeah. something that was at the time, you know, really, really good science. And just, you know, it turned out the science didn't hold up in that one case. Okay, so here's my question about discovery. This is my, my Sabrina sure. question to Dr. Noor. All right. So we jumped 900 years. Talking about acceleration, right? Yeah. We jumped 900 years into the future. Yeah. If we go back 900 years from where we are now, we're mm-hmm. back at like William the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. You know, the Moors mm-hmm. are still in Spain, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, way, way back. Mm-hmm. And if we compare humans at that time to humans of this time, we have a longer lifespan, we're taller, we mm-hmm. have better teeth, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if we jump 900 years into the future and we talk about accelerating DNA or whatever the right term is there, I would have expected to see humans looking a little different from the humans that were on Discovery. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, am I just? What do you think? What do you think of that? Great thing, question. Huh? So, I suspect a lot of the difference that we see from, say, today going backwards. Now, we'll come back to the forwards. If you're going, if you're going backwards, a lot of it isn't genetic. A lot of it is just, you know, they have better diets, they have better, like, you know, hygiene. You know, all, all those things are so much better now than they were, say, a thousand years ago. And you know, better understanding of how to cope with disease, better medicine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much that we've genetically changed. It's just ah. things are better. So, if you were to take a baby now. Uh, and put them a thousand years in the future, and you have the sim- similar sort of thing. They'll probably be just about the same. You know, they're not going to be all that different. I don't think. Okay. I mean, our, our generation time. You know, what is it? Some, on average, like twenty-five years. So, if you go a thousand years, you're looking at what is that? It'd be like forty generations. Yeah, that's. I mean, an evolutionary time scale. You can have some change then, but it's not that big a deal. Just a blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, relative to like the billions of longer, years maybe? life has been around. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So there was that question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good thought, though. And what you might see is like adults could look different because maybe there'll be different, you know, sorts of pressures. Maybe things that are causing us to die now will be something they find cures for. Maybe they make it, for example, aging in us is caused in part by shortening of telomeres. Maybe they have some way that to dietarily make that not happen. So people then end up living a lot longer. Right. I mean, those kinds of things could happen, but I don't know if they would look different from us because I don't know that we have, maybe, maybe there'd be something on aging. I'm not sure. 
Possibly. Maybe people don't yeah. age as fast. So maybe, maybe, to, for, maybe I would look like somebody who's 150. So I was wondering something like what Sabrina said. Uh-huh. There would be definite change, you know, a thousand years mm-hmm. ahead in the future. Yeah. And I was at this talk at New York City Comic Con, and I cannot remember the uh, the scientist's name, but he was saying that if anything changes, it's the fact that we're going to live longer. Yeah. Um, and the way science is going now, we might not even die. Oh, I doubt that. (laughs) He's saying that we could, there's because of food and diets and, you know, we're going to live to, you know, more than a hundred years. You're just going to keep living. And I I don't think he's, you know, that's not something that's going to come, but that is one Mm -hmm. of the things that probably will happen more than anything else. Oh, I'm sure that's true. That's a great point too. And and I suspect things that cause people to die young, those are the things that that's the easiest to fix. So that's why I would expect the biggest change. So if you take like the oldest people today versus the oldest people in a couple hundred years, they're probably not going to be that different. But what's going to happen is more people live to closer to that age. I think that's where, and that goes along with what you're saying. So I mean, we have people today living to over a hundred too. It's not, it's not common, but it does right. happen. It's also becoming common. more and more common. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, we're seeing it more often than we exactly. used to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But probably the, the top level, that's, that's a harder one to change because there's something more fundamental has to happen. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, it, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. Right, Again, right, like right, right. If, if part of what causes that is that sort of shortening of telomeres, which are the, the caps on the ends of chromosomes, if they find some way to make that not happen through diet or through, you know, some sort of intervention or medicine, maybe, maybe they can push it out to 150 or something like that. I see them doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see them doing it. The people it's that are in charge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to see, like, how far we've come, you know, we, we look at a thousand years, but even think about a hundred years ago. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> exactly. Dramatically different now, so who knows? Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so the next part of the talk that I have on my list is that we wanted, to dis- <laughs> we wanted to discuss our favorite episodes. Ooh. And so, yeah, you know what mine is, though, Muhammad, because I came on for your... Um, talk on that one so my favorite episode is definitely distant origin yeah. i i just can't get over that one and it's written by one of our favorite writers joe minoski mm-hmm. and which one um, is distant origins the one with the voth species so it starts just with, with the voth yes. finding the skull voyager. Voyager. Yeah. you're talking yeah. about voyager exactly. oh yes. i love that episode mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it is yeah, stellar yeah Isn't it? oh my gosh Yes, that is a good one. It, it, alternate is that what would you call that? Is that alternate evolution, or that that basically they're saying that there was a dinosaur type, um, not humanoid. It's a, a humanoid. No, no, it's a just a dinosaur. Just a dinosaur. Just a dinosaur. Yeah. Just a dinosaur. Yeah. Just a dinosaur. And, and they, and they just evolved, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So is that like what is that called? Like alternate evolution, or well, that, that would just be evolution. I guess I think what I, I think. Let me tell me if this is what you're getting at. You, do you mean the fact that it stands on two legs and stuff like that today? So mm-hmm. that would be more convergent evolution. That somehow that some aspects. I know that it. word. Ah, yeah. <laughs> 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 basically, That's... similar environments. You know, they now look a little bit kind of like we do in some sense. So that that would be an example of convergent evolution. In that case, yeah, like yeah. the sharks and the porpoises. Very good. You remember my, my last video. I do. I get an A. I get an A. Yes. 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 Always wants that gold star. I do. <laughs> well deserved. Teacher's pet. 
teacher's pet. No joke. Oh, no, no. That teacher, she, like she's going to be the new teacher. <laughs> I, go, I take that class. So, okay. So, that one always fascinated me because I, I get, I think about that one and I think mm-hmm. about the whale movie where yeah. they're talking about completely different species mm-hmm. coming from the same planet. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I just that was yeah, the whale like, one. The whale one is problematic. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying, like, how are those two? How yeah, are those so, two whales fixing everything? Just yeah, two. Well, yeah, there, yeah. There's there's actually many issues with the whale. So first oh, is okay. the, the alien species, right? The alien thing that with the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. weird hanging ball thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're impl- well, there's, of course, the whole sound doesn't travel through space thing, but we're even setting that aside. That's for Dr. Aaron Well, the other is that. <laughs> setting that one aside, too. The implication was that the whales on Earth were related to these aliens. Yeah! So, what? Does that mean they're not related to us? Or does that mean they, like, left Earth and went into space? Or, like, what? <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that just was unsaid there. I guess we never saw what was in the weird, the weird, you know, cylinder ship with the hanging ball. The U- that's what you would never did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a pool, weirdness. Was there. Was whales around. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but who said it? One of y'all just said this too about like whether two would be enough to repopulate an entire species. Yeah, that's yeah. a big problem. <laughs> you yeah. know, starting with just two. I mean, the level, the amount of genetic variation there is tiny. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, they would be inbred. They wouldn't survive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. they themselves would be okay, but their kids, you know, so they so they could make kids and the kids would be yeah. okay. But then it's going to be like siblings are having kids yes. with each other. Right. Okay, that's, that's a problem. That's all sorts of crazy. <laughs> that's all sorts of crazy. Now, maybe what happens, they're going to do some sort of you know, genetic manipulation and take out all the bad mutations. I don't know, but I mean, it doesn't. In and of itself, just putting them there and hoping for the best, like, yeah, that's not going to work. Because that's all they did. They just dropped and said, all right, go. Yeah, yeah, go to it. Fix it. Fix it. now. They said they populated whales. That's it. That's such a TOS crew type of solution, though. Yeah, yeah. It would have been hard for them to imagine, like, we're going to take this, like, pod of whales on this ship. Movie-wise, it would have been hard to have done it the right yeah. way. Right. They would have definitely needed, like, you know, the, the, the Enterprise D to get everybody on that. Yeah, right. exactly. Cetacean Ops and just fill yes. with whales. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, thank you, Lower Decks, for finally showing us. I know. Awesome. Wasn't that wonderful? That was good. So cool. So happy to see that. Yeah. So, so very randy dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> very. Or porpoises. Yeah. Porpoises. There's one funny thing though about inbreeding that if the the whales were already really inbred, this is this is a funny thing. If the whales were already really inbred, inbreeding them further may not have much worse effect. Hmm. So it's kind of an, it's almost ironic, right? Yeah. Because the reason for that is because part of what makes things get bad when you inbreed is you take you take you know mutations that that like you know let's say i have one copy of bad mutation and my wife has one copy of the same bad mutation you put it together and now you have two copies right that's then the one that's really sickly but if you have a population that essentially has already no genetic variation you already have two copies of the bad mutation so you're basically as sick as you're going to get okay okay so okay. Yeah, in that sense shy of new more bad mutations coming up mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't that, so I, that's the piece i'm not sure I, I don't know how i guess the population of what kind of whales were those? I forget. Um, humpback. I humpback. Humpback. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think the population of humpback whales is so small. They have no genetic variation though now. So I, I think that I still, I think it still, still doesn't work, but it's like okay. cheetahs. Cheetahs have like almost no genetic variation at all. You can yeah, inbreed yeah. cheetahs and like, 
They're not going to get. Oh. I mean, they're already sickly. They're not going to get more sickly. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so another episode that's one of our favorites that we have talked about on another show is of course again we're going to uh, Voyager with lineage. And this is the oh. one where Balana decides oh, yes. she wants to see oh, her baby. Yeah. And yeah. she starts messing around with yeah. the holographic uh, imaging. Yeah, that was well, she, not just the holographic was, imaging. She starts trying to change the DNA sequence. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 It was yeah, so painful like, to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking one from column A, one from column B. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't yeah. I mean, genetically, there's not a problem with that, but ethically, there's huge issues there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just sad. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was. was. It was very, sad. very sad. You're just thinking, like, if you're morale, the kid there, like, how do you feel? Like, your mom didn't like yeah. you the way you were, so, like, no, I want you to be mm. this way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but she was going to get rid of that dominant gene. She was. Yeah, and I, and I get what she was trying to do. She was, from her perspective, she was like, I want to protect this person from teasing and stuff like that. I mean, I get what she was trying to do, but... That's not the way to do and, it. <laughs> but I think there was also some help, self-hate going on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. Some internalized, uh, what is it, racism that yeah. she internalized yeah. where people mm-hmm. treated her. That's exactly and, uh, it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yeah, definitely that sad. Sad. Yeah, that is the sad one. All right, let's go to a, a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. One thing, one okay. thing that's pick, interesting pick is that... One. The person that wrote that episode is also the same person that is um, James Kahn. He also wrote the other one called Masterpiece Society. Oh, where they the had inf- yeah, well, no, okay, now that's another one where they had a set group and they yeah. thought they had enough people mm-hmm. to go on with their society. And then when they decided that people were going to be removed from that mm-hmm. society when they wanted to leave, this yeah. is TNG. They gonna have that was enough, TNG, right? Yeah. They TNG weren't going to have enough. Yeah. one or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was early TNG. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, the one where Troy falls in love with the guy. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but they have that horrible scene with the kid playing that depressing-ass piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> the kid is on the piano playing, and, and then the words, and they're just like, no, keep on playing. And it's like, no, stop, it's depressing. Yeah. Do you remember, I don't remember the, I remember the issue that they didn't want people to leave. I don't remember, was that a genetic problem, or was that more sociological? Like, we, we don't want to lose it our two engineers. They'd seen, I think it was be... both. Maybe it was no, both. They, it was a, they, those people were genetically um, engineered, created, right? To, mm-hmm. he, he seemed to had, almost think to if be... he took one piece away, they would unravel. The right. Oh. They, had, they, were, they were connected to the. They were also connected to the planet and oh, the way okay. the planet uh, evolved, and they they yeah. were. Well, they were in a biosphere. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about different episodes. Yeah, I'm they were in a biosphere. In a biosphere. Oh, I know. You're thinking about up the long ladder. That's the one with the with the with the clone planet and then the the Irish planet. Oh no! <laughs> oh, that was, oh no! Oh, that, was, that, was, that, that was hilarious. hilarious. I I'm love sorry. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the one where um, where Troy goes down and she 
she falls in love with the guy. Yeah. Like, yes, right that's, that's masterpiece. Yeah. That is masterpiece. I was thinking about the other one, maybe. <laughs> those people on that planet, each of them were bred genetically to serve a specific purpose in their society. Oh, okay, so and that's what both. was so disturbing about that, that yeah. concept. You know, it's like this one's bred to be the administrator. This yeah. one's mm-hmm. bred to be a scientist. This so, bred to be a What's the validity of, of, of genes like you know breeding certain genes for to make people to yeah. do something to you know come out a different way it's a great question and and this actually gets at a, a, a dichotomy that comes up a lot in star trek whether when they say bread versus genetic engineering because those are mm-hmm. not the same thing but star trek sometimes uses those interchangeably so let me answer your question first and i'll come back to the other one so your question is like could you be bred for a specific occupation i mean in theory you could you know i mean let's let's set aside humans because it's always fraught i mean obviously like you know Horses have been bred for specific applications. And, right. you know, if you think of that in terms of their careers, yeah, I mean, there are horses that are bred to, you know, do this versus that. Yeah, I mean, that that's certainly, and dogs as well. Mm-hmm. So in theory, you could imagine something like that with people in terms of, you know, somehow selective breeding for mathematical ability, I guess. I mean, I don't know what the heritability is, but so actually I should define a term. I just, I just use the word heritability. Heritability is is what fraction of the variation in a trait is genetic versus environmental. So if the heritability is high, that means your trait is fully genetic. So something like, you know, whether you're lactose and t- – well, actually, that's not, actually not even a great one. Your eye color is very heavily genetic. It's very little environmental. In contrast, you know, educational attainment, <laughs> that's almost entirely environmental and then very, very little genetic. So heritability is low. I don't know for, you know, for most careers what the heritability would be for the skill sets you need. Pro- I mean, probably those going to be a little bit – I mean – if you're like lifting refrigerators, then yeah, you can get bread for bigger muscles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> lifting but, refrigerators. <laughs> I, don't know. I was thinking about that money for nothing song, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Got to move these refrigerators. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> then we're, we're going to owe some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, never mind. <laughs> so that's one thing. But the, the idea of selective breeding versus. Um, Genetic editing. So we see selective breeding. What that means is essentially what's happened with, let's say, like dogs. I mean, the dog breeds we have weren't like genetically edited to become this. It was just over the course of many, many, many generations, they picked the dog that, you know, was more and more beagle-like or was more and more chihuahua-like or was more and more Great Dane-like. And that was something that happened over a very long time. I don't think with Masterpiece, yeah, almost a Masterpiece Theater, <laughs> with Masterpiece <laughs> Society, <laughs> I don't think with Masterpiece Society there's been enough generations to do right. that kind of thing. I mean, they would have had to have, like, already started, right? Right, right. <laughs> okay. So okay. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what would have happened, but maybe if they're doing some sort of genetic editing where, like, oh, I'm going to add this thing which makes you produce more of this particular enzyme, which then leads to bigger buildup of muscles, which leads to, you know, something like that maybe this is something that came up in the context of Khan. so if you go back That's to the, right. original, uh, the next one yeah yeah, yeah. You yeah. If, you the, if you go to the original yeah. episode space seed they say it's a product of selective breeding but you figure like okay from the 1960s to 1990s that's one generation like, right. it's not very strong selection right. <laughs> right. <laughs> i was just wow. picking somebody at that just point just picking someone you got yeah you. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guy over there come here but so then in Wrath gonna... of Khan, they, re- uh-huh. they redid that. And they said, oh, no, no, he's a product of genetic engineering. But you know, it makes sense, again, like coming back to the point Sabrina made earlier, makes sense for the time. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, we hadn't even sequenced DNA in the 1960s. I mean, I say mm-hmm. we, like I wasn't around, but people <laughs> hadn't sequenced DNA in the 1960s. So 
Yeah, they weren't thinking about genetic engineering. They're just thinking about selective breeding. So. Yeah. Right. But now I want to go back and watch Masterpiece, you yeah, know, I again. I, I don't remember it well. Yeah. And, and see, like, how they, with your two definitions, you know, the, these definitions of these different terms, yeah. and now look at it and be like, you know, what did they, how did they do it? Because I don't remember the episode well enough to, to know, remember if they were talking about selective breeding over a long period of time on yeah. this planet or if they were talking about you know genetically engineering something yeah you figure i mean maybe we're going to apply for 200 years so what is that like that's eight generations that's not very long selective uh-huh. breeding I mean, yeah you get a little bit of an effect there but it's not you wouldn't get a giant effect i mean it'd have to be have a very simple genetic basis to for that to do much definitely we have to change the title of the uh episode not masterpiece yeah <laughs> i like it when they try these things though because i mean even when they don't do it great it's always instructive so this is something i like to use in my class like i'll sometimes have them watch you know in the class i use using that textbook um i'll sometimes have them watch a, an episode that maybe the science isn't great for and then okay this is an opportunity to talk about like what are the misconceptions that are here what are the things that would have made it work so it's an opportunity and that's necessarily a problem so yeah oh, but we did bring go, up that that one up the long ladder with the with the, the irish people versus the clones oh yeah uh, yeah that was a funny one just, yeah it was kind of weird in a lot of respects <laughs> <laughs> the clones one was interesting because that was one where they brought up uh, a, a, a critical thing which is true that and this is true if you have any species that's purely asexual and reproduces like as clones right it's exactly what happens like if you make you know a xerox copy of a book and then make a xerox copy of that copy and a xerox copy of that copy, copy then, you know copy. any mistakes that are introduced are then perpetuated from there on out so it mm-hmm. just gets worse and worse and worse the advantage of sexual reproduction is you can mix it up so like if this word has gone from this copy and that word's gone from that copy you put the two together you can get some kids that have the two good copies again and you can recover it if you don't have sexual reproduction it just everything just gets worse over time mm-hmm. So and, and they brought that up. Fading, and, and, exactly. They, fading. So they called it replicative fading. They just made up that term. I think oh, like, yeah. that's not a real term, but it's better than the scientific term. I was like, man, we should have used that one. That is a good term. Yeah, because <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Ours is called Muller's Ratchet, but that's it's because this guy named Herman Muller introduced it back in the 1940s. And it's kind of like a ratchet only goes one way, like when you turn stuff, like, you know, one way oh, doesn't do it. Okay. So it kind of makes sense, but it's a lot harder to explain than replicative fading. It was like, uh-huh. yeah, that's exactly what it is. Kudos <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. to the writers. <laughs> so, so going back to, the, uh, well, this isn't a clone question, but I think you talked sure. about this a little bit in one of your shows, too. Another one that, that's a great, you know, the Jem'Hada. Yeah. Who are just like genetic messed over? <laughs> I mean, what didn't yeah. they do to these poor people? Yeah, well, that's an interesting one because the replicative fading thing may not apply to them because what right. may be happening they're not, is that they're not clones. Yeah, well, they could be, but even if they are, they're they're not clone of a clone because like the Gemini don't reproduce with each other. Right, so they might have like a master Jim Hadar, and just make clones <laughs> off. Right? They All hatch. Because they hatch. hatch. Yeah. That. Is that I right? Thought, yeah, yeah. They, they hatch. They have a hatch. Hatch from eggs. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. I remember the baby one, but I didn't remember how, where the baby came from. <laughs> the baby Jim Hadar. I love that one. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, but they, they have. have they have no females. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they have no right. females. The Vorta at least had females, right? Yeah. Oh well, we, can we talk about to... the clownfish. I read about that in your thing. Yeah. Uh, the clown, oh, the what clownfish. Is that in your book? It's, 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 no, but, like something. It's like the, the what, okay. No, that's from 
Jurassic Park. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where it, says, it says nature hates it when there's only one thing. Like, if it's all women, that something will turn into, it will turn into a male. Or, like, what's, like, the, oh. it'll flip-flop. Hermaphrodite sort of. There are cases like that. So uh, there's a worm that people use in their research. It's called C. elegans. It's, it's a little worm, and they tend to be hermaphrodites. But every now and then, like one in a thousand of them is a male. And when the so normally what happens with the hermaphrodites, they they just they just self fertilize, right? Self-fertilize, yes. Yeah, but every now and then they'll make this like male. Like again, literally one in a thousand they'll go out there. And if the male has kids with one of the hermaphrodites, she has like a she has. I'm just calling she. I don't know. Maybe I should say they. They have like a ton of offspring because <laughs> again, it's one of those rare opportunities for bringing in new genetic material. Now, selfing isn't the same as asexual. Selfing, you you still are making new combinations, but you only have very very limited pool because you just have what's in you mm-hmm. so imagine i have like you know the, you remember the old classic uh, genetics in high school the big a little a and stuff like yes. that mm-hmm. yeah. if i'm big a little a and i self-fertilize i can still make kids that are big a big a or little a little a so they're not right. necessarily exactly the same as me whereas if it's asexual i'm just making another big a little a <laughs> so the problems are a little bit different. They, they each have problems but the problems are a little bit different <laughs> they each have problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got a lot of problems oh, yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So, okay. I have a, a, ahead, I have a question. Damn it. Uh, Dr. Noah, do you really, do you think that the tardigrade would have been like huge, like they made them in discovery? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. So they're, mac- they're macro, macro yeah. here. I mean, in this, you know, like, you know, little teeny things that survive everywhere. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I kind of question that myself. No, that's a great question. There's a principle in biology called the, or actually even from, this really comes from physics. It's called the square cube rule, or I can't remember square cube rule or square cube law. It's one of those ones, if I I wasn't on with you guys, I'd Google it real quick and check. (laughs) Physics is a law. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But what happens when you, when you increase, let's say you double the size of something, right? Mm -hmm. Then the cross-sectional area goes up as the square. So let's say it used to be two meters and now it's and now uh it's four the cross-sectional area would be the square of that but the volume is the cube of that so in terms of in terms of being able to like you know have muscles that can lift things that's going up with the square whereas the volume which would be like the weight is going up with the cube so eventually it's not gonna be able to hold itself up it's just crushed under its own weight Yeah. yeah So that's why that's why that's why, for example, ants look like they're so strong. But if you made an ant as big as us, it would not nearly be that strong. It would just like fall apart. Fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's something that they just didn't do any science on. They just made it up. Well, I mean, it's based on real stuff in the sense that the the aspects about how tardigrades can survive at least brief periods in the vacuum Every, space. Yeah. They they pulled out elements of science in there. And then of course, you know, it's, it's a it's a TV show, so they have to make it interesting. Right. They have if everything was microscopic, it would be like, yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, but tardigrades are I mean the real ones are like they're microscopic. Like, you wouldn't even yeah, see my, it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a great question. I looked it up. It's the square cube law. It is law. Ah, you were right. Physics is always a law with physics. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, questions? All right. Uh, I wanted to go to, we were talking to, now thank you so much for introducing us to Professor Fleming. Oh, yeah. um, Crystal Fleming. So we had a really great conversation with her 
couple of shows ago, and she talked about scientific racism and genetics, using genetics against, you know, races and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. And she brought up one point where she said that eugenics yeah. was pretty much racist. Yeah. And we were it like, was. It Whoa. absolutely was. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely blown away was. by that one. It's really horrifying when you look at these. I mean, there, there are people who made these amazing scientific advances who, like, when you look at what they were doing on the side, it's terrible. It's horrifying. So I'll use an example. There was a fellow named Ronald Fisher. He basically, you've, you've heard of the test, the analysis of variance, right? This is the mm-hmm. test. He's the one who came up with that. <laughs> He's come up with, like, so much. No, the, I haven't heard of that. Oh. Oh, sorry. The analysis of variance. It's a statistical test to look for differences in, in the averages of two, of two groups. It's okay. a really fundamentally basic statistical test that people use all the time. And okay. it, he's done a lot for population genetics, for all sorts of fields. Clearly, he was a brilliant man. He has this book called The Genetical Theory of Natural... I mean, he's long dead, by the way. <laughs> he had this book called The Genetical Theory of Natural Selection. And I think the first edition was published in 1930, something like that. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, yeah. that's all you need that's to know. Like, know. He's a here British go. guy, a wealthy <laughs> British guy. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So well, the first part is all like all this great elaboration of evolution, science, mimicry, all these really cool concepts. Last six to eight chapters are all about how the poor people are having more kids than the rich people. And this is a big problem. And the only way to stop them is to like reduce their birth rate. So we don't have the dilution of our society. Like, Oh my gosh, wow. this is a horrifying, horrifying now. Wow. I mean, honestly, even at the time, I think it should have been horrifying. <laughs> but, right. Um, well, yeah, it really should have been. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that there is a, a you know, uh, professor Fleming's right. There is, there's a history of, you know, eugenics and the sort of like who should be allowed to breed and who shouldn't. And, you know, even in some of the scientific societies that I'm associated with, like the, the American Genetic Association, I used to be president of it, you know, recently, not like back when it was crazy. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it used to be called something like, it used to have the word eugenics somewhere in the name. Like, oh. <laughs> Ooh, wow. But again, this was back in like 1912 when it had this, wow. not, not recently. Can we just briefly explain for our listeners what the, what eugenics is? I mean, they, they might sure. not have heard the Dr. Fleming's um, show and, you know. Sure, sure, sure. So eugenics is this idea that, that basically there are groups that should be identified as being allowed to continue to reproduce. And there are groups that, that should not be, that, that can be identified as not as being ones we should not allow to continue to reproduce. So you could imagine as an example that, the, that individuals who had genetic diseases, there was an idea that if we stop people who have genetic diseases from reproducing, we can produce a pure population in, the, in subsequent generations and maybe get rid of these genetic diseases. And you see, of course, what this leads to very, very quickly. <laughs> I mean, even that part right there is problematic, but it, it's yeah. very easy to, to go into really dark places, you know, instantly from that from that starting yeah. point. But that's that's a short version of eugenics. And it, and it was it was legal in the United States into like in some states into like the 1970s. It was ridiculous how wow. far it was. There's all sorts of examples of it too. There, there's a famous uh, person named Dorothy Buck who there was a um, there was a, a legal ruling back in I don't remember when it was maybe 1930s or something like that where uh, and you actually you can look up the statement from the judge. It's really horrifying when you read the statement from the judge where she was basically like forcibly sterilized because they said that you know she she should not be allowed to pass on her genes because this is a terrible person. Blah blah. <laughs> Turned out, I think one of her kids she'd had prior to the sterilization ended up being like an honor roll and stuff, just to show how ridiculous the whole thing was, too. Wait, so yeah. 
So we get into the eugenics war, and it was something that we were talking about. That yeah. We wanted to know like what that war was in Star Trek because it was just such a, a, a scary thought for us to hear mm-hmm. that term. Mm-hmm. And uh, what could they possibly be fighting about, and how bad could it have been? And it's so interesting that when we do see Space Seed, the person that is the you know the rep- representation of the eugenics war is not white. He's no, yeah. brown. I was like, <laughs> all right, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I have a happen. question. <laughs> I have a question, and, and it's and it's kind of similar to that. But sure. Dr. Noah, what did you think of the bell curve? Oh, I mean, I've never actually read it, but, you know, it's, it's obviously very fraught in general. I mean, I've never read the actual book, just based on my, my what I've, the bits of it that I've heard about. Yeah. I thought I mean, it was it, awful. Yeah. I thought it's awful. I'm like, what? 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 You know. Why don't you explain what that is to people too, in case they haven't heard of it, Fran? Well, it was basically saying that, you know, black folks need to be uh okay to put it in succinct words black folks always need to have a curve in anything that they do like we are below average all the time ridiculous and it was and and i'm like you know and and it should have been really it it should have been there should have been more um protest against it but you know back then which wasn't that far they didn't have internet and all that stuff but it it was controversial and it was awful it was just awful uh, about us well black folks basically so yeah like that like we were just predisposed to being like stupid or something it's ridiculous because i mean the thing is what we what we really know from the genetics now is you know that the there's very, 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 very little genetic difference between people from wherever they're from. Like the, the mm-hmm. variation within any group is dramatically, dramatically better, bigger than um, the variation between groups, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense at all. Yeah. So there's your, your racism social construct when you talk about that in your yeah. presentation. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and again, along those lines, between the social construct, like where do you draw the lines? Like why? Because you know, genetically, so the, the most diverse population genetically, like where you see the most variation, is on the continent of Africa, and that's even taking out like the random white guys in Johannesburg and stuff. Like taking out right. those people, right. to, <laughs> <laughs> not including them. <laughs> There's so much generation there. So like, if you pick two people from you know different parts of Africa, they're genetically way more different than one of them might be to somebody from, you know, Japan or from Poland or really? from Brazil or whatever, or something like that. Yeah. That's and always become- my favorite part of um, when, when we watch the Henry Louis Gates show um, on PBS, like finding your roots. That's always my favorite part at the end when they talk, when they reveal somebody's um, genetic makeup and mm-hmm. everybody's always so surprised. Like I have what in me? Like, yeah. you know, where? like that's the coolest part. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again because we're going to bring it into existence mm-hmm. that Dr. Muhammad Noor and Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. need to team up on a show. I need to see that happen yes. right now. PBS, if you're that. listening, and we know you we are. We know you are. We know you are, PBS. Let's make this happen. I would, love <laughs> I that. would watch it. I would, I, would donate, I would donate so much money to my yeah. local PBS station if that show was on. Aww. 
the other thing to the social construct is like why do we even do it by continent like that's such an arbitrary like why continent why you know does it matter like why continent something i mean i don't so the example I think I used in the talk that you guys saw is like you, you could do it by height, and it's it's just about as ar- uh, just about wow. as not an arbitrary as if you were to do it by continent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we wow. could say like, oh, I'm I'm in the race above six foot two. I'm not, but <laughs> I could be in the race <laughs> above six foot two. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, six foot two. Uh, I'd be in the in the race between six foot two and five foot eight. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You can measure it. At least you can measure it more precisely. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, there you go. That advantage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, there, is, there is a genetic association with height, and it's honestly yeah. about as big as it is at my continental origin. So <laughs> why not? Let's do it. Change all those tests. <laughs> Are you six two and over? Are you six- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we still be having to check boxes, right? Because the people in power wouldn't be in power anymore, so that's not gonna exactly. happen. Right. Exactly. They would find some way. <laughs> no, because most people in power are very short. Yeah, <laughs> trying to compensate for something. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. Of course. <laughs> Okay, yes, I'm going so on to the next okay. section of the notes. <laughs> to move us along. So, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the BioTrekkie podcast itself because uh, sure. I, I just love that. So when did that and start? It, and can I just clarify for folks, it's not just pod, it's not a podcast, it's a YouTube show. You can okay. watch it. You can right. watch it and it's dope. Yes. Aww. Watch it. it has the, well, the second best theme song. I, know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so that's a great question. This came, this came about after the cruise. I think it was while we were on the cruise, there was such positive enthusiasm about it. Yeah, obviously, people have usually been enthusiastic when I talk about science and, and conventions and stuff. I see people were excited about it. It was it was on the cruise. I remember talking with uh, with my wife. I think I, maybe she may have even been the one who suggested it. I'm not sure. Actually, it may have been her idea. So why don't you do this online? Like, maybe. So I, I initially ran it by... Um, one of my contacts at CBS to see if this was something they would be interested in. Like, because my initial thought was something more like, I, I have a class on Coursera, the free online thing. Oh, yeah, I thought, right. well, maybe I could do something like that on Coursera, get some help from them. And I got connected with a few people from CBS and they're like, you know, we do a little bit of stuff like that, but you have to be in LA to do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go spend, you know, months in LA or something yeah. like that. So, <laughs> got a job here in North, in North Carolina. <laughs> I got something I'm doing already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So then I was like, well, why don't I do like a little mini series here? So I just did, at that point, I think I did four, I just recorded four short videos based on pieces from some of my talks, which now I have to say, when I watch those first four videos now, I'm, I'm always like, oh my God, the editing is so bad. Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's so painful watching them now. But, awesome but to me. Like, I love them. I Aww. love them. Like, that's better than anything I would ever be able to put together. Like, Aww, I love them. You're very sweet. <laughs> I've learned a lot though now over the course of the year. So after I did the first four, the response was very positive. So then you know, also I got, I actually got a grant from the National Science Foundation. I decided that part of the, part of the grant is I'm supposed to do some sort of outreach. And this was right around the time of the start of the pandemic. So I said, hey, maybe my outreach can be making more of these videos. So basically yeah. link the two things together. And that's, it's been so much fun. So I've been trying to do it. It's, it's been close to monthly. I have, there's some months where I didn't quite make it. Like, I think I, I think I had to skip uh, September and October because I just got too busy with and transition back to in-person stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's been fun. So I just, 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just I like a concept or two and then an associated Star Trek episode and then just put it all in there. It takes the, the ones I do that, that are the, the shorts, those take forever to make because there's so much graphics. Basically, I'm changing the I'm changing what's on the screen every three to five seconds. Yes. So, I mean, there's so much <laughs> in like a little seven minute thing. It's yeah. a so that those take forever. <laughs> Convergent evolution and mimicry. Yes. Okay. Good memory. Good I, memory. Oh, please! But the little uh, the flies that look black and yellow and look like bees. I'm like the get out of Good here. memory. Wow. Bakers. <laughs> That's the word that comes up in there. I love it. I love the little graphic you had of the guy running. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if I do see if I do see a, anything that looks like a bee, I am out of there. It I'm like that guy too. <laughs> all right, so all these little flies that have no stingers are looking like those other bees because they're just mimicking them because they're safer. Mm. And I'm like, really? It makes sense. Makes sense. I would, I, if I was a fly, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm like running from everything. <laughs> but the much easier videos are the ones that I've done the Biotrekkie with the Admiral once with Jane Brooke, the person who plays Admiral Cornwall on Discovery. That's much easier because it's basically just recording a Zoom session and just putting a little bit in the front and the end. So those, you know, that's that would take some much. It's basically the time of recording plus like an hour, hour and a half Ooh. or something like that. But but the other ones, woof, those other ones are like seven hours each. Or <laughs> Not quite that long, but they're very long to make. <laughs> I love the ones with um, Jane. She's, she's really... Hey, that was my line. Mm-mm. She's, she's amazing. Okay. She went, did she did she go to Duke? Didn't she go to Duke? She did go to Duke, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not when I was there, of course, but you know. But she went to okay. Yeah. Okay. Now she's wonderful and I love the way she asks questions and she I mean she thinks of these analogies. because I'll give a scientific explanation. She's like, Oh, well that's kind wow. of like blah blah blah. I'm like, oh my god, that's beautifully said. <laughs> I would never have thought to say it that way. That's amazing. But she has a brilliant mind and an amazing curiosity. She came to visit Duke and actually speak at my class once as a guest. And she had brought with her the, the my copy of my book. And she had annotated like through the whole thing. I had all sorts of questions and comments that's and cool. thoughts. And they were so thoughtful wow. and so intense. Cool. I was like, Wow, you know, blow me away how brilliant you are. <laughs> yeah, she's she's deep on that show. I mean, she's yeah. not playing with that. Yeah, and just a wonderful, like you guys, a wonderful human being. So kind uh-huh. and so warm and just you know, <laughs> positive, upbeat, like, aw. <laughs> I love her. We're doing, it hasn't been announced yet, but the, actually, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be announced. Because I, mean, yeah. I think I'm tweeting it tomorrow. Oh, good. But, uh, we're oh, we're going to cool. come back and cool, do cool, season cool. four uh, oh, good. After, okay. after the season ends. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, th- those are great. I mean, they're Thank you. Just so, you know, I mean, and, and my joy of watching you comes from the fact that I am not a science person. Like, I was never great at science classes. I could do well enough. I could memorize enough to do well on the test. And as mm-hmm. soon as the test was over, it was gone. It was just absolutely gone, you know, and, and it's like, it's just not my forte, you know, I mean, I was having fun in my English classes, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> but what I love is that you make science so absolutely understandable. You take, and, and it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You take these really complex topics, scientific topics, and you break them down into ways that I can understand them and not just can understand them, but want to understand them. You know, like I want to learn a little bit more about it. I'm like, okay, see now that's an innate teacher. And I have, that's why I I think I love you so much because you found this way to really actually communicate 
with people. And I, I said the same thing to Dr. Fleming as well, is what I love about her as well. You know, I mean, it's always your best teachers are wonderful, effective communicators, you know, and, 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 and infect you with their excitement about what they're teaching, you know, and so, and, I, and it makes me so happy that at 50 years old, I'm still learning. And and still have so much more to learn. Like I love it. I get to do it from people like oh. you. So thank you. Incredibly kind. Thank you. Yes. I, mean, I was trying to tear up as you were saying that. Like it's exactly what yes. a teacher wants to hear at the time. Thank you. you got us all reading about genetics. <laughs> all right. Actually, just today, just this morning, I had a meeting with somebody from the Center for Learning Innovation at Duke. And was trying to talk with her about how to do some assessment for how effective the, the videos are. Because I said, look, I post them and, you know, they get likes and they get positive comments, but I don't know how effective they are. So we were no. talking about how to do some sort of like formal assessment and do some like have people watch and answer questions and things like that. So we were actually meeting to just discuss that today. So we might okay, see along listen, those lines coming out soon. Test. Maybe I'll improve them. <laughs> I took the quiz that you have on your show. It's a and quiz? I didn't do very well. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're talking about the, the quiz show one with the quiz. With, yes, I got with, all the meteorology ones wrong. So tell tell <laughs> Katie that I definitely need to watch the shows again because I was like, <laughs> what the what? When did that happen? I mean, you guys. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I saw, if I didn't have the answers uh, written there for me, like the half those questions, I wouldn't <laughs> know the answer to. Like, okay, I don't know. Oh my god, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what yeah, the tornado scale is. I don't yeah what oh my god i thought i would knock it off i'm like oh, i'm gonna just go in here i'm gonna just take this quiz it was you yep. Anne marie and katie yep. giving the question meteorologist katie meteorologist yes katie. yes wonderful and dr Anne marie siegel i'm like yep. okay here they go and they asked these questions and i was like um <laughs> they were all from star trek they were all from star trek and i loved it, it and then i love that you guys like you were saying to me you explained the answers to all of us and it is just like it was just a fun quiz hour of <laughs> all these questions that no i couldn't believe star. i got wrong but <laughs> it was a blast because they when, are... when was this quiz no then? Oh, we've done it twice no we did one yeah, this has been with the virtual Trek cons for the uh, for this year. Right. So we did That's one right. in early right. August, or sorry, one in early October and one in early November. They, they were so much fun to work with. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, well, I was working both times. I, I did. I remember that. I wanted to go to those. Yeah. Well, at least Sabrina was representing for us. <laughs> That's right. I was not representing well. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just I being there as well. <laughs> War Dog was tearing it up. War Dog, Bill. He was amazing. Brother from another mother. He was tearing it up. What was funny is, I think it was like two nights or the night before the quiz show, he had just had dinner with us here at the house. And um, then I texted that to Emory, and Emory during the quiz show, she was like, Warnock seems like he knows a lot of the answers. I He was not. He was absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, it is uh, it, again. The chat was hysterical. It was so funny, and it's like I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned Ooh, all about thunder. Thunder snow, thunder or something. Oh yeah, thunder snow. Yeah, this is thunder snow. Thunder snow. Yeah, I remember you. That was cool. Really, I remember when it did that. Cantori lost it. He was out in the snow and it happened and he just because you know he's so dramatic anyway 
and he just lost it. He says, did you see that? It just doesn't snow. Oh, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, all right. That would freak me Thunder out, too. snow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, okay, y'all. So- if you don't know about all this stuff, you need to go and listen to Biotrekkie Explains and also about um, the, the quizzes. And I'm telling you, it's all there. Get the book. It's just science. amazing. All this stuff you can learn. It's like science is cool. Science so, is cool. Science is cool. So, Mohammed, the questions are where are you going to be coming up this season? Are you going to be hitting the convention circuit? Are you going to the cruise? Like, what's the deal, brother? That's a great question. He's on the cruise. I, I'm on the cruise. I'm already signed yes. up for the cruise. And He's so, in yes, the cruise. We will. We'll be here. <laughs> we'll see happens. you there. I'll be there. Oh, you're going to be there? Awesome. Yep. Oh, yeah. We're going to be awesome. there. Tales. Awesome. No, we're, do- we're doing dinner, man. We're doing dinner multiple times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know about uh, other ones. Tea. Yeah, I don't know about other ones after that. I, I'm I'm still exploring to see whether I can do like Mission Chicago and, and yeah. uh, 56 year mission stuff like that. I, I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't gotten signed on for those um, online. I'm supposed to do. With Aunt, Dr. Anne Marie and I recorded this thing for the Fort Collins Comic Con. They said it was supposed to come out like first week in October and then second week in October and then third week in October. It still keeps getting pushed back. So maybe it's going to come out, but actually we have a okay. short version of that. We're actually going to put out on, on Sunday on the, um, on the virtual Trek con. We're going to do a short nice. version of that. So, but we already recorded it. We recorded it like a month ago. Now. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, we'll be waiting to see that. We'll yeah. be waiting, but, you know, and of course we'll keep our ears peeled to see if we're going to be at some of the same places i'm not going to see you on the cruise but my Aww. sisters will be on the cruise. i know right i know costco, <laughs> costco my job man yeah. <laughs> retail never sleeps <laughs> i'm not really shouting them out though because it kind of got in my way with my star trek and i'm kind of upset yeah. about it but that's okay yeah. <laughs> yeah, i'm sorry i missed you at con- i know you were at the awesome con i'm sorry i missed you there yeah, I know, right? We were looking yeah. for you, but I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, I didn't go to that. But you yeah. know, we'll be looking. We'll be looking to the run best. into you soon. I'll you know. always be looking for you guys. <laughs> I love my for you. We appreciate you so much. And like, and and listeners, this was the coolest thing. Not only did the doctor shout sure us did. out at STLV, but he did a presentation wearing one of our shirts. <laughs> I mean, how cool was that? We were like, what? Hey, you gave me a free shirt. <laughs> you guys were the cool ones. <laughs> I almost fainted yes. when I saw you with Sonequa Martin <laughs> Green with your shirt on. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you guys pointed that out. I, I hadn't even thought of it at the time when I was talking to her. It was later when you guys commented on Facebook. Oh, yeah, I was wearing that with her. <laughs> I like the shirt, so I was just wearing it because I love the shirt. <laughs> All we know is that Sonequa's eyes saw the sci yeah, sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just makes us happy. I love her, too. She's amazing. <laughs> Oh, but next yes. time you get a chance to be around Definitely. her, just send her all this from us. All yes. the she's love. The, she's the, the captain of the cruise. Is she, I can't remember. She signed up for the cruise. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, she's perfect. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be all over that thing. Oh, yeah. Well, folks, this has been a really fantastic show. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to hang out with us and and talk to our folks, our listeners. Do you have a place where people can leave comments for you? I mean, do you want them to leave comments in your YouTube channel or what would you like? 
Sure. I mean, I'm on YouTube under BioTrekkie or BioTrekkie Explained. So if you just search for that, it comes up. Or I'm on social media as M-A-F, like in Frank Noor, and like November O-O-R. That's Facebook, uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagrams, all of those things. The same. Nice. <laughs> That's how I say it in my head. Yeah. Okay. Well, it used to be, I didn't, before I got married, I didn't have the F and it was manure and that didn't go over so well. No, <laughs> oh, no, no. But it's so much improved. As usual, usually as things are through marriage, much improved. Totally. <laughs> hey, Yvette, where can people reach out to us? You can find us at sci-fi-sisters.com. That's S-Y-F-Y-S-I-S-T-A-S dot com. Join us on the mothership. That's M-U-T-H-A-S-H-I-P. And the Sci-Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. Download the Trek Geek Network app, where you can find us and our family of podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network. On Instagram, sci-fi dot sisters. And we are also on the Twitter at Sci-Fi Sisters. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We may just read it on an upcoming episode. By the way, rate it five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, sisters. And we want to take a moment to shout out Dose, the anonymous one. Dose, 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 dose. (laughs) He's the baddest engineer in any universe or galaxy he's responsible for all the music you hear on our show as well as engineering skills so if you need engineering skills or music skills dose is the one it's d-o-s-t-h-e-a-n-o-n-y-m-o-u-s the number one at gmail.com hit him up for all your needs folks we love you very much we appreciate you and we love you and peace love and hair grease Hey y'all, are you looking for that perfect holiday or birthday gift for that special geek in your life? Why not check out the world's first app-enabled Tribble from Jay and Kalia at Science Division. These soft and cuddly fuzz buckets actually trill for friends and squeal at Klingons. Adopt your Tribble today at Science Division. That's sciencediv.com. Science Division. By fans, for fans. Trouble's never been this fun.